Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die, where my goal is to give you evidence that although our bodies will disappear, we survive physical death. I also aim to give us all some great tools while we're living in this human body. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the bestseller, We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And for the first time on our show, I'm interviewing two guests, and they call themselves the Death Chicks. They are Misty Lynn and Patty Burgess, and they have a show every Thursday at 3 p.m. committed to demystifying death, dying, grief, and loss for their viewers. I was just a guest on their show yesterday, and I know they try to make a heavy uh, topic of death be a bit lighter. Patty Burgess is the founder of Doing Death Differently. She's a trainer, speaker, end-of-life educator. She's a certified grief recovery specialist, a former hospice community educator, and the author of Six Concepts to Master When Supporting a Loved One Who Is Dying. Misty Lynn works as an empowerment coach for those who are uncertain of what to do after loss. She's a very gentle, loving soul and a powerful guide for those who are wondering how to make sense of the new world. She's the founder of Bittersweet Breakthrough, a program specializing in helping women live peacefully and rediscovering a sense of purpose after a loss. Her ultimate calling, as she says, is to empower people, to give them step-by-step instructions into an ever greater version of themselves, helping them to confidently face whatever challenges life may bring. So with all that being said, I'd like to welcome Misty and Patty to We Don't Die Radio. Hello, Death Chicks. <laughs> Hello, it's good to be here. This is Patty. Yeah, this is going to be fun. And because our viewers, our viewers, our listeners haven't met you yet and um just before you talk to say like you just did this is patty this is Misty, and i'll say this is sandra so hi girls let me just ask where are you in the world my listeners may or may not know i live just north of boston massachusetts and misty where are you coming from this is misty and i live right next to the arctic ocean in canada so if you know where edmonton is and just fly straight north until you hit the arctic ocean that's me and i'm looking out on the ice right now wow. so it's been beautiful up here it's been uh spring which is the ice and snow is melting but the funny thing was today we woke up to a blizzard so it was snowing and minus 20 celsius wow so that's where wow. i'm at and how about you patty this is Patty, and I am a little warmer for sure, and I always marvel at uh, when I'm talking with Misty up there in the Arctic because I just can't even imagine, you know, like by at 20 below or 40 below, I think your nose hairs freeze just the same. But here, um, we're at about 75 degrees, that's Fahrenheit, Misty, and uh, outside of Philadelphia. So between Boston and Philadelphia, I think we share a little bit of, uh, you know, the founding of this country. Yeah, and it's a beautiful warm day where I am as well. Yes. Let me just first ask, because I didn't ask this yesterday, and I had so much fun being on your show. And for our listeners, um, if you go to YouTube and just put in the death chicks, you can see our episode um, on, on the show, the one that three of us did. But how did you guys meet? I was in Nova Scotia at the time, and I was really reaching out to people because I'd 
took on the mission of bringing light to loss and really demystifying this whole dark cloud that surrounds death and dying. So I'd been reaching out to a lot of people and, and gathering them up to really create a, a website where, where we can just put this on the table and where, you know, if people have concerns around death and dying, they could go to this, this website. And that website's still in development. So Patty was one of the people I reached out to, and we really connected. We just hit it off, and we had some good chuckles about about this topic and it's not too often you can connect with someone in in that way and we just really got each other we were on the same mission and we really we have the same belief Sandra and I think that's why we connected because the whole thing about fear I think is very much connected to we don't know what happens after we die or we're afraid or you know all that so so yeah so we started talking and we started um, kind of feeling our vibes and, and realizing that we were really connected and how I can't remember specifically how the show came about but we we talked about it and I I was really going for the Google Hangouts because it was a new forum that I was introduced to and I was hearing fabulous things about it and I finally I managed to get Patty on board she was pretty reluctant and <laughs> and but we we decided to go ahead with it and then Patty came up with our logo, and if you if you take a look at the YouTube channel or yeah. or if you look at us on Google Plus, the Death Chicks, it's a it's a fabulous logo, and and even the name, we had some great laughs and conversations about our name. But we we knew it was a dark topic, and we wanted to keep it light, so we knew we somehow had to bring humor into it. So right, that's what we did. Yeah, and let me just ask Patty, can you say something and see if we can hear you? Yes, I can. Yay! Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I was chuckling away. I thought, oh my God, to be silenced when all we'd like to do is talk about <laughs> death. I don't know. <laughs> and to our listeners, I'm recording this ahead of time on Skype and I'm not the master of technology. So if we do have some kind of a break in our conversation, I can just call you back and I'll edit no the problem. show just a bit. How long ago was it that you guys uh, got together for your first death chick soiree? Gosh, has it been almost a year or so now, Misty? You know, I think it was. I think it was in last fall when I was in Nova Scotia when we first started talking. Oh, that's mm-hmm. right. That's and right. Have you met face to face? We have not. Oh, I uh, I would that. love to go up and uh, visit Misty, but it's going to be during the one month that I think is summer up there. Uh, probably, although I would like to take a view at how beautiful, I mean, the pictures I've seen, it's it's beautiful where you are. But, you know, it's so interesting with all the technology today, you can feel so connected and so close with people, you know, you, you and you haven't met them. And uh, it's quite beautiful what, what we're doing. I love that we've got listeners from all over the, the country, all over the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, we keep I have a friend named Angie Cartwright who uh, runs what I think is one of the biggest Facebook groups about grief in the world. She's got several hundred thousand mm-hmm. people that follow her. Uh, could even be more than that. But she's got Grief the Unspoken as her Facebook page. And we were in conversation for a couple of years. And then we finally met face to face. And it's pretty darn special. So anyways, let me just start off with the title of the show is We Don't Die. And as much as we'll get into what it is that you guys do as as the death chicks, um, do you have some stories of why you believe that we don't die, that our life goes on after our physical form goes away? Well, 
This is this is Patty, and it's an interesting topic to me because it's recently come back around full circle from about 30 years ago. Um, and and uh, it was really interesting because 30 years ago, I didn't want to experience it or talk about it. Uh, and today, I just find it fascinating that somehow um, through a, a series of, of um, serendipities, I guess you could say, that I'm now talking about death, life after death. So... 30 years ago, I began having some physical experiences um, that were later uh, shared with me that were likely out-of-body experiences. Um, I was experiencing things, and this is when nobody was certainly talking about this subject, death or anything, and, and not very many people that I knew of uh, had had out-of-body experiences. But I started to have these and certainly thought that I had a brain tumor or some other kind of um, medical scenario when um, a friend of mine, uh, when I told her about the symptoms, which was with this body vibration and this buzzing, um, which it, what was so amazing about it was to read about this after the fact. And uh, this friend of mine, which was, it was funny, Sandra, yesterday you said you didn't want to be one of those wackadoodle oh, woo-woo yeah. people. right. <laughs> And I was like, what? But she said, oh, yeah, you're probably having an out-of-body experience. I, I went with my, uh, you know, again, my eyes averted, my, my head held low to this very esoteric, dusty bookstore and uh, asked for a, a book on out-of-body. And, and I thought I was going to be asking for something just so, uh, you know, out of this world, and which <laughs> in a sense it is. Right. So um, after, you know, reading this information and validating what I was experiencing, I still at that time was uh, uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable to move forward. I was uncomfortable. I was fearful. Um, there was just so much. It just felt a little too close to death to me as to what was happening to experience this. So I shut it down. Um, I shut it down for about 30 years and only very recently what's occurred is that I began to have the same scenario again. It has come back around full circle, and I find it no coincidence that here I am uh, in the death biz, so to speak, and spending a lot of time exploring and um, looking at some of my own uh, limiting uh, belief systems, uh, one of which is that could we even exist without our bodies while still alive, which is, of course, the definition of an uh, out-of-body experience versus a a near-death experience. And so um, that has been validated to me from my own personal experiences. I'm back in the very beginning of um, uh, heading out to this uh, new exploration, although I've had some. They've been short trips, but they've been um, uh, just mind and soul-blowing, I guess you could say. And what what it said to me is that when we can begin to put down our fears, and for me, uh, I guess that was heading into this death business, which was really not a path or a trajectory that I saw my career on. Right. But uh, here I am 30 years later uh, in this business, and I don't know what came first, the chicken or the egg, but I know back then I was fearful. Today um, I'm, I'm joyous and uh, eager to explore and, and putting uh, that, that fear of death uh, to, the, to the background. And not that I want to hasten anything, and that, no. I don't think that's what we're talking about at all. Uh, and I'm not ready to go, and I don't know how it would be should I, uh, you know, get a diagnosis or something like that. But what I can tell you is that I know now for certain that we exist beyond our physical bodies, and there is something so unbelievably 
comforting about that. Could you describe what that out-of-body experience is like or what you experience that that really has you knowing? You know what I'm asking? Uh, yes, and you know what's interesting? You, I was going to, to head down that path yesterday when you brought it up and you used these words, and it was probably the best description, but, um, you know, we with so much to say, so little time. Right. And that was, it's like, Closing your eyes in one reality and open, opening your eyes in another. It is that, and I'm not saying that, there, um, that there, there's a transition period, and for me that transition period is a, uh, a kind of full body vibration that can be very confusing and very scary until you understand what it, what it is, and that's what I was experiencing 30 years ago that I kind of shut down. It was just... Uh, too alarming, and uh, now what I understand is that this is the the body, call it the soul, the second state, um, uh, some, many people call it um, phasing out or out of phase with mm-hmm. your physical body, it's it's a way so that you understand that there's this kind of separation taking place, and as I'm speaking here to you about this, I think, what a, that's so wacky. You well, know, but... I, we all have a skeptical <laughs> mind within us. I, you know, exactly. I'm, yeah. D- did you experience or when that happens any like people or uh, any other realms or like, do you have vision? Yes. Yes. What's... Actually, um, I had a sense of, and I think because of my own belief systems and limiting belief systems, um, I was, I was, we can fly, we can walk through walls, we can do whatever we want to do, but you still carry you with you into this other phase. And so what happened to me was, um, this belief that like, if I flew, like, wow, that, that would really be something. So since I didn't believe it, I hovered very low to the ground, <laughs> but I hovered, uh, I hovered up steps, I hovered around. I did meet up with people that looked very human-like to me. Um, I, again, in the beginning phases of this, and I'm learning more and more as I, as I go out right. and as I continue to read, um, I, I wasn't, I, there was not a lot of clarity about what those people were doing there, but at the end of this one particular experience, um, I, uh, had kind of floated my way back down to a group of people that were sitting in a living room. I was like in a townhouse and it was not a townhouse that I recognized. It was not my particular home. And um, these people were talking to me about how amazing it was that I had, because this is one of the first times that I'd gotten out 30 years ago. And uh, I was being really congratulated by these these people. I did not know whether they were dead or alive. It didn't matter to me. I was just in awe. And at that moment, um, I felt myself kind of turning horizontal with a pull and a tug to my back. And the next thing you know, it's like I opened my eyes and I was back in my bedroom, and that wow. was it. Was it as real it as was, this life that we're experiencing now? It, it was. It was. Uh, yeah, oh, absolutely! It was more real in some ways. It was more distinct in some ways. Not so much from a visual perspective because that felt a little cloudy. And um, the more I read and the more I listen to people who are. Uh, teaching and sharing this information, I understand that there are things that we can do to to increase that clarity, like asking for clarity. It, it, like anything else in life, ask for something and you shall receive. Um, I, I think that there was a little bit of a gloss over me uh, just because uh, of some fear still there. Um, but the, the parts that felt much more real was the fact that I 
felt uh, like a, 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 I can even explain, very alive, very clear in terms of uh, my emotions, very clear in terms of my senses other than my sight. Um, it felt uh, just as real, and it felt, it felt alarming, but at the same time, like, oh, my God, the, the most incredible discovery. It's, it is life-changing. There's mm. nothing, there's no doubt about it. And yet, as I sit here, and um, I have had some mini ones since, uh, as I sit here, I feel like, ah, you know, could that really have happened? Was this just my imagination, kind of the very things you were talking about yesterday? So there's such a parallel. Yeah. Um, and yet I know it, yet uh, I am honing this skill because it is a skill. I think everybody can do it. I think everybody does do it in their life. Um, I think everybody does it when they're sleeping to some degree. I think that's part of our recharge. It's just not a physical recharge. It's a spiritual and an emotional and mental recharge when we sleep. Um, but, you know, I, I'm continuing with this skill to hone it so that yeah. I can really know this. I interviewed really a man named Louis Monero. He's episode seven of, yeah. if you go to wedontdieradio.com, and he also, as a young you know him, of him. Yes, I do know him. I've I've heard him speak. Um, yeah, on some podcasts I've listened to. He's brilliant. From and you know, and also for all of us, you know, one of the reasons I include even remote viewing in my book, which is like an ESP yeah. technique, is if we have an experience like it's either an out of body experience or if we have like a ESP thing that we can see what's on somebody's dining room table, ten thousand miles away, those kind of things even though it may not be life after death per se, it, it's a real wake-up call that, you know what, if I'm able to do that, you know, what else is possible? So, exactly. Misty, exactly. how about with you? Do you have a firm belief in um, uh, that we continue after our bodies die? I totally do. And and it's interesting because unlike you, Sandra, where you had that that amazing experience, I love your story yesterday that you shared with um, you were such a skeptic and then you had this introduction, this calling to go to see Doreen Virtue and this big, you know, moment. Uh, mine wasn't like that. It was more gradual. And I, I would say it probably started around grade four when a very good friend of mine, well, elementary school, we've been friends for quite a while. And I always saw her as a very, she came from a kind of a, a prim and proper family and, and just was very normal. And, and I was a little bit more of a, a wild card. And she, she told me one day, she, she brought up reincarnation one day. And I had always, I was brought up in the Christian tradition, not not strong, but we went to Sunday school as, a, as an Anglican Sunday school. And and so this just floored me. It was, I looked at her and it was like she grew another head. And I thought, my goodness, that's, that was just wild and out there. And another thing that she had interest in and then what Patty was talking about was astral projection. So as young girls, we kind of played with this idea a little bit. When I was in university, I, I started traveling and I, so I, w I went to Ecuador and I went to uh, I went to China and I went to Czech Republic. So I went to the, all these places by myself as a woman traveler alone. And when I was studying in, in Vancouver, I would sometimes go to these uh, theater pieces and they would be right downtown Vancouver in some, some of these dark alleys in the East End. It would be one or two in the morning when the, the late show got out. And I would always feel totally safe. And as a woman going in these places where you shouldn't travel alone and you shouldn't walk at night and you shouldn't da 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 da, da and I would just do it and I, I never had fear. 
And, and I think I always felt that I was just protected. And, and I never felt that I would be harmed or that I would die or I, I don't know. So, so fast forward, and I, I'm still kind of walking the earth and kind of going, wow, it's an interesting place, kind of messed up, but you know, it's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then, um, uh, I, I had this, well, it's when I started looking at learning about quantum physics and this was very exciting to me because this was kind of scientific evidence that what I was feeling and sensing intuitively uh, was true and was being proven by science and all this woo-woo weird stuff was actually you know grounded in something so that felt really good to me and with that, what what really landed for me was this this the Einstein and just what you said when you opened the show, Sandra. Um, so energy does not die; energy tr- changes form, it transforms, but it never dies. So I connected that very solidly in that okay, the energy, the life force that is misty uh, in this this body walking the earth as a human. This, the body will die, yeah, but I know that this energy that is me and unique to me, it will continue, and and I have no doubts about that, no doubts at all. I want to say one other little story, mm-hmm. and and this is this is a this was a huge thing to show me just how much people and society have advanced in these ideas. Where I started in grade four with my friend bringing up reincarnation, and how. Fast forward X years to uh, this last year in March when my mother passed away, and that's what started me on this this whole journey into bringing light to loss and really exploring death and talking about it openly. So here we are, and we had a celebration of life for my mother at a place she frequented, and, and that was very nice. And then the family's back at mom's house. And... Um, one of the my sister she has a um she has students from around the world stay with her from time to time and so this student was from germany and she said uh she said how come no one said she said this to my aunt and my aunt laughed she says well that's just how we roll so we were at the house having fun telling stories in, in the way we do and one of the things that my aunt said and she's about 55 and we were laughing and carrying on, and she said, oh, well, I'll have to just fix that one next time around, won't I? And that really floored me, because this kind of talk, the, the idea of reincarnation from people in my family, uh, just had never, ever come up before. And, you know, I hadn't spent too much time with my aunt, but over the course of 30 or 40 years, um, you know, obviously her thoughts and beliefs had changed, and for me, this was a huge, a huge confirmation of how I believe Canadians and I think people from the States are really opening up to this idea that we're not just here and then it's done. So, so that for me was a huge, huge confirmation that no, it's not just me having these thoughts. It's, it's really happening. Yeah. And yeah. to our, we have worldwide listeners on this show. So you two are included in this conversation. And I find from different people I talk to, it's, you know, it may not be like the open conversation when we say, you know, Hey, how's the weather? How you doing? How's your day? Do you believe in, you know, that you see dead people and things like that? Right. <laughs> but through different cultures, 
there really is this belief and it, it might talk take talking to an aunt or a relative or you know even when I came out with my book I was scared to death that people in my life would think I'm nuts with a book titled we don't die but very privately people would come and tell their stories so I really think opening the conversation up is such a good thing which leads me into you guys and the the death chicks and I you know I want to hear about you each individually a little more about what you do but um you know around the the time of my dad passing away it was really tough hard time and as regular as death is like life birth I mean it's the most it's like the saddest experience of my whole life so uh, a little bit if you guys can share a little bit more about the the death chicks and how you're not trying to make light of death but you're trying to bring light to this conversation about death and and I'm guessing make people a little bit more comfortable around it is that right yeah, totally this, is, right. this is Patty. Totally right. This is Patty. And, you know, it's interesting because I think um, for most of us, and especially me, I can really only speak about me, but I hear this from many other people who are kind of in the death business or end of life or hospice. For me, kind of how it started was the loss of a dear friend. I was with her every day from diagnosis to death. She was 45 years old. Wow. Her name was Rona. She had three young boys. And, you know, death was not supposed to be knocking at her door. She was vibrant. In fact, she, we, we used to call her the fitness babe because she's the one that, you know, would always want to take a walk. I'd want to go eat a hoagie on the couch. Right. So the way that we both presented, you know, if anything, it should have been this cancer in me. I was with her the day that she got that diagnosis um, with her at the doctor's office for this persistent cough and, uh, you know, a pain in her back. And it, ended up being uh, end-stage lung cancer when she got the diagnosis, and you would never know it. So like this, this sent me on this just a whole other path of kind of caregiving and trying to figure out and trying to understand. And, um, you know, it's one of those things that, as we say, you don't just wake up one day and say, I think I'll, you know, work in end of life or in hospice or right. start a death sick show. You're, you're brought to it somehow. And uh, I was brought to it um throughout this year, um, as I said, every day pretty much from diagnosis to death. And um, when most of my friends were turning away, there was something that was so fascinating, but at the same time hard to watch, watching your friend decline and watching um, her children have to say goodbye to her, oh, yeah. her saying goodbye to her children. It was every part of it was, was just uh, devastating. And at the same time, there were always these moments of beauty these connections that were being made. She had had a very difficult uh, relationship with her husband. It was actually her ex-husband. They kind of came back together for the purpose of the kids, not in terms of getting married, but supporting and Mm -hmm. being there. Relationships, um, some fell apart, some got healed. But these moments of beauty, like just incredible beauty out of this devastation, it's sort of like, you know, seeing the, what is it, the daisy grow out of the crack or the parched soil or, you know, seeing a flower at the end of a rifle uh, in a a military picture. Maybe that's more 60s. It kind of dates me. But all of this beauty just kept popping up. And I kept focusing on the beauty while everybody was like, oh, my God, how can you be there? I'm like, it was like I was experiencing something sort of like an out-of-body thing where nobody was getting it. And there I was. And I wanted to stay with it more and more. And um, it, it really now informs everything because at the same time where I was 
scared and I didn't want to see this experience or, or have it and I didn't want to lose my friend, um, I could not turn away. It, it grabbed a hold of me. And then that's where I was introduced to hospice and found that there was this amazing uh, time. I thought it was a place. It's really a philosophy of care, caring for you know the entire family, patient um, mm-hmm. sort of focus, but family as well. So um, that, to me, kind of started my whole interest. And then everything tended to pale by comparison. And, uh, you know, kind of like, you know, when you find something new and you want to scream it from the rooftop, it had to find its pendulum swing back to the middle. And that's where, for me, it was um, volunteering in hospice, then um, becoming a volunteer trainer, then working in hospice as a community educator. And it was like there that was the sweet spot. And from that, once you start diving into death, um, as we did every day, um, you know, you start to meet other people, like other people that you kind of feel like, ooh, they must have taken, you know, the same pill, you know, and you can start talking about it as if you're part of this underground. And uh, then this underground comes up like this and these conversations, and we start to find out that other people are not only thinking about it, but they're talking about it, too. So. You know, when, when Misty and I found each other, and I think, as you mentioned, Misty, out of this kind of forum, there weren't that many people talking about death. So it's like we kind of clung to each other, <laughs> you know, yeah. and uh, yeah. found each other and then reached out. And here you are, and yeah. there's, there's the people that you know, and on it goes. Yeah, and, and death yeah. is regular, and I know that we don't mm-hmm. see it much in our culture, which I think 100 years ago mm-hmm. or 150 years ago it was more regular, and um, funerals were home mm-hmm. held in our home, you know, in the parlor. That's where mm-hmm. funeral parlor came from. And mm-hmm. and so as hard as it was, it was a little bit more regular, and we saw it, and now it's kind of a like a taboo subject. And it would be yeah. the greatest thing ever. And, you know, and it was very hard being with my dad when he – passed away and he had cancer and it was violent suffering and awful but just before um he got real bad i ended up coming clean with all my after death studies and everything that i've done and you know here was a guy that went to catholic mass every day and he looked up with me at me with the biggest brown eyes and you know i thought he was going to think i was crazy and he's like you know promise me you write a book promise me you tell people this because as much faith as he had in the hereafter and jesus and everything there was like a knowing that he got when I told him my stories so I'm not I wasn't in his shoes to say if this is true or not but I I think that if people really have that knowing that we're going to close our eyes here on earth and open them somewhere else that the whole death process will be so much easier for the one whose time it is to uh, transition, if you want to call it that, and for their mm-hmm. families. You know, some cultures right. have celebrations mm-hmm. when the body dies. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, mm-hmm. uh, Patty, just back to you. Um, what else is it that you do right now? I was on your website, and you have what's called teachingtransitions.com. That's Patty's website. But what is that? What besides doing the death chicks? What What are you up to? What's your passion? Well. Oh, thank you for asking because it is a passion. Um, actually, uh, there's two websites. One is more the teachingtransitions.com is really more for uh, hospices, uh, healthcare, hospitals, uh, institutions, colleges, and universities because uh, I developed a, an online video-based end-of-life training course and certification. It's a certified uh, end-of-life specialist. That's wow. for individuals and cert- certified hospice volunteer and palliative caregiver 
for um, hospice workers or uh, people in the end of life, professionals in the end of life, or even volunteers. Or somebody who wants um, to be, right? It, it, exactly. You don't have to be a healthcare worker. You can be a regular person if you want to find out more and, and learn that. That was just great. Exactly. And, and that would be at doingdeathdifferently.com would be for individuals. Um, okay. And that's uh, a little bit more information over there. So, yeah, we'd love people to stop by if they're so called and drawn. Yeah, thank you so much, and and I'll be looking more on it uh, also. Now, Misty, over to you, my dear. Um, Just, you know, where's your passion lie in all of this besides being a death chick? Yeah, yeah. well, you know, it really happened when when my mom passed, and it it happened very quickly, and I'll share this story briefly. So um, she had been sick for a number of years and, and said she was going to the doctor, but said, oh, they don't know what it is, they don't know what it is. Now, we kind of all think that maybe they did know when they told her and she was just didn't want to share it, and, and right. that's okay, that was mom's journey. So so she had a sore throat, she hadn't been eating, and then she was finally taken to the hospital, put on IV, medevac to the nearest city. Um, and then, you know, it wasn't looking good and, you know, going downhill quickly. So here I am in the Arctic and, um, getting a flight out is, it takes a while, you know, you can't just be there in a day. So I, I booked a flight and then I, it involved an overnight and then there was a storm that day. So the plane couldn't land. So we're delayed again. And finally I get to Yellowknife. So I'm, I'm in Yellowknife. We overnight there at, at and we're we're staying at my daughter's auntie's, and we we I'm in the shower and I'm getting ready. The plane's flying in about an hour, and I'm thinking, my goodness, how am I going to say goodbye to my mother? Because she's okay. So let me back up a bit. She had been she the doctor called one night and said um, it's only going to be 20 minutes, Misty. So, okay, so what I did is I, my, my daughter is visiting a friend, thank goodness, because she's little, and so I phoned a good friend, and my friend just held space with me. My friend is, is a spiritual person, and she's kind of connected to this other realms, no religious affiliation, but so we held space, and this was the most amazing time, and as I was holding space and just kind of being energetically connected to my mom, and it was the most peaceful thing. It was absolutely amazing. I was expecting the phone call to come any time. The phone call didn't come from the doctor. And uh, before this, um, when my sister had got to my mom's, and at this point my mom was no longer communicative, and I asked my sister to hold the phone to mom's ear for two minutes. And in that two minutes, I, I said goodbye to my mom. And I said, you know, you're going somewhere good. It's okay. We're on our way down. I would love to see you. But if you need to go before we get there, that's, that's fine. So here I am. And, and ever since I held, held that space with my friend Gail, um, it was like I was in this different zone. And people I've coached and people we've talked to on the desk so say, yeah, when you're connected to someone who's passing or has passed, it's like you're in this little bit of a surreal energetic zone, and it's really amazing, and it's really special, and it's really, I haven't felt so alive. It's like there's this tingling energetic feeling sensation, like you're almost in this world but partly in the, in the other world. So here I am in Yellowknife. I'm in the shower getting ready, and I'm thinking, how am I going to say goodbye to mom? Because her body has really, you know, she hadn't eaten for about two weeks, so she's very 
doesn't look like she used to look because she, you know, she lost a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to have a, a little, I think, a five-year-old who had been traveling all day because we had to take the milk run to get there. And it's going to be nine o'clock at night, which is a few hours past her bedtime. I'd asked the nurses if the nurses could uh, watch my daughter, and they said, well, we can't guarantee it because if we get a call. So I'm in the shower thinking, my goodness, how am I going to say goodbye to my mom? Um, And then I get out of the shower, and about five, ten minutes out of the shower, we get a phone call. Mom passed. And I thought, okay. And right away, I got this little smirk. And I was like, okay, Mom, yeah, I get it. You were here with me all the time, and you just solved this problem for me, and that's totally okay, and I know you're okay. And before this, the doctors had said to me, you know, they said, I have no idea why your mother is still alive. All of her physical organs have shut down. Her body is shut down, uh, but she's still alive. And, And I knew that she was waiting for us to come because I told her we were coming. And being energetically connected to her since I held space with Gail, uh, she heard me when I was in the shower, totally unsure of how I was going to do this. And then she just, she let go. Wow, that's beautiful. And the energetic connection can happen to somebody alive, someone who is deceased. I mean, it's very Mm -hmm. real that we can connect. Mm -hmm. Very, very real. Thank you for that. so I was, I was just going to add, it's so interesting, Misty, because what you experience, um, we see a lot in hospice. Sometimes we see, uh, you know, people passing right before somebody's gotten there. Um, mm. Sometimes we see somebody waiting until five minutes after they've gotten there. Um, the, the, the most interesting thing, too, are, you know, when people are uh, having what we would call their deathbed uh, vision sometimes it's a crowded room, but you can't see the crowd, and uh, it's it's just so lovely to me that um, when you can look at it the way Misty that you did, and to hold the space as you did, and to create whether or not you know you're physically there, um, this uh, beautiful opportunity and space for her passing, you know it just doesn't get any better than that. Wow, Patty, I wanted to ask you. You just yeah. mentioned. Um, being in hospice, does it, do those deathbed visitations happen often that people... Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, in, in fact, um, my my own mother, which is kind of hilarious, and the, the, story, um, the, the story that goes with it briefly is that, you know, my mother um, was very honoring of all faiths but was a confirmed atheist. She just felt like her... her kind of saying was, you know, when you're dead, you're flat like a bug in a rug. I was like, right. oh, I kind of want to think, you know. There's something more, yeah. There's something more, but it didn't bother her. She was very, you know, very in this world and in this life and, and did a lot for people with a social worker. And she was fine with the fact that, hey, she thought this was it and that was the end. I would ask her, you know, aren't you kind of excited that maybe you're going to you know, hook up with dad in this other realm? And she just would look at me and say, you know, ah, that'd be nice. This was even two weeks while she was uh, about two weeks before she was dying, she said, that would be nice. Um, but, you know, I don't believe it, basically. And um, so as she continued to decline and she was a little less communicative, all of a sudden my mother, and I wish I wish I could have taken a, you know, a video and then had her rally for, you know, a day to say, ma, this was you, because there she would. Her hands would be going. She'd be talking. We couldn't understand. She'd be looking up over her shoulder. Then she'd look over to the door, and she'd start a conversation. I thought, you know, 
here's a woman, and, and when I say atheist, it's, it's, it wasn't even uh, just religion, spiritual, anything. She was just very grounded in mm-hmm. this and only this reality. And yet there she was conversing with many people or entities, I don't know, um, that were unseen to us but were very real to her. And it was just kind of funny, hilarious. We all laughed because we knew that if my mother had viewed this with somebody else, she would have walked out, you know, shaking her head thinking, wow, some people are pretty wacky. Yeah, that's <laughs> great. And one of, another hospice nurse I had talked to, she spoke about some of these visitations and the people knew what day it was, what time it was, and they were still yeah. seeing people. And so how comforting to think that we have a team mm-hmm. that helps us through over the bridge, you know, when it's our time. Yeah. So it's not a scary thing. Mm-hmm. We're not alone. Uh, Misty, just back to you. You want to, would you be so kind as just to share what it is that you're passionate about and what you do uh, and what bittersweet breakthrough is and, and yeah. what, you, what you have going on in your uh, life? Yeah, thanks. I'd love to. So that, that whole experience with mom that really just opened my eyes up to so much. And at the time, I was a I was a life coach, a women's empowerment coach, and I was really wondering, like, how can I best serve? And and then it was just landed so deeply that you know no one's really doing this or talking about it, and it's such an amazing experience. And then um, when I was talking to people about it, the the depth of feeling that I experienced after her loss, even though it was it was a great energetic thing, there's still the sadness with the loss. But there was such a gap between what the communication around it compared to the depth of feeling I had. So, so that's when I dove into um, working with people around loss. And, and the really beautiful thing is that whenever I work with people, um, often they have you know guilt or fear or sometimes anger, unresolved stuff. And, but they always, always tell me, well, they still feel connected with them. And when I validate this for them, it is so amazing. It's it's like, it's so great. And it's almost like they can do this big exhale and they physically do it. And they're like, yeah. So so that's really sweet. And Bittersweet Breakthrough, it's uh, it's kind of walking people through through the whole process of the big feelings. So it's, um, it's more than life coaching. It's empowerment coaching. So what it does is it takes people down inward into the feelings instead of running from them. Patty mm. said to me the other day, you know, so many people when they have big feelings, they medicate them or they distract or they this and that. But the work I do, it really creates a place of comfort, brings you to your higher self, connects with your intuitive, authentic self. And from here, we do a deep dive into, into the insides that sometimes didn't get looked at. So things we may have felt or happened to us with our lost loved one that wasn't resolved so we go there and we and we do some healing work around there so at the end of it you're really feeling like all the the dirt under the carpet has been swept out and brought to the light of day and healed and uh and at the end of it you're women are really able to just walk forward and and feeling confident and in moving on yeah. Which is such that's a gift. It, that's it in a nutshell. So many people I've seen, yeah. if you don't know about grief and loss and don't have a belief, uh, they die themselves internally. And I met a woman once uh, for 40 yeah. years. She was grieving the loss of her husband and couldn't mm-hmm. go on with life. You know, so what a yeah. wonderful thing to help. Um, yeah. and, and predominantly women you work with. 
Is that correct? Yeah, predominantly women. I have worked with a few men, but predominantly women. And just like you said, they just they want to move forward, mm-hmm. but they have no idea how. So I'm just kind of a gentle guide, a little bit of hand-holding, get their confidence back, resolve the anything that's unresolved, and then move forward with life. And it's all about, you know, this stuff about death, it's really about life. And one more thing I'll share quickly is sure. that... Uh, um, I kind of see death when when I experienced my mom's death and saw how this dark cloud surrounded it and how, you know, people were so reluctant to talk about it openly. I was like, you know, death, everyone does it. No one's talking about it. And I kind of compare it to sex in the 50s. Everyone's doing it. No one is talking about it. And it's time to uh, to wake up. And, and I really see us, the world right now is, is awakening in consciousness. And I really see that the death acceptance movement is, is part of this awakening. Well, ladies, thank you both. Do you have any closing uh, messages to our listeners right now who may be struggling or maybe if there's one bit of information you want to share? Um, any last closing closing. Uh, I do. I do. I wanted to let people know that um, grief and loss connects us all. And though it can feel very lonely, you know, kind of like when we walk into a room for the first time and we haven't met these people and we make these instant judgments, oh, that person won't understand me or they'll never get what it's like to be me or, you know, the crazy thing is once we start to share from our deepest, most authentic places, and lots of times those are wounded places, you begin to realize that we are all connected. And it's the very grief, the hurt, the wounds, and the loss that connect us. Connect us, And that's what death does, too, because we're all going to experience personally, and we're all going to probably be caregivers at some point. Right. And um, rather than looking at death as this thing to be avoided, it is to me, one of the, the greatest connectors in life. So, um, you know, if we can embrace it a little bit more so than we do now and not run, as, as Misty talked about, um, there's some really juicy bits in there for us to experience. Yeah, there are some gifts in grief, which is hard to mm-hmm. see once you're in it. But when you look back, sometimes mm-hmm. you really see how your life is altered because of what you went through. Misty, any closing yes. words from you? Yeah. Well, I guess my website and, and what I'm about, bittersweetblessing.com, is, is really just what Patty said. You know, it's the, it's when we so often we're just rolling along with life, we're doing our thing in our habits, but when something major happens, when we're affected by major loss, this is such a huge opportunity for growth. We, at this time, are feeling deep things. We're in our visceral human, mm, we're really feeling it. And this is the time where we have a great opportunity to do some amazing work, amazing healing work, and and to just fully be human, to step out of the everyday little bit of a rat race we might be involved in and and really check in with ourselves and come back to what's important to us. So I guess that's my final message. And and if people are interested, I have um, a free Overcoming Fear mini course, and that's uh, on my website, bittersweetblessing.com. It's under the live shows tab. So, okay. Um, it's a good thing. Yeah. Very good. And Find the sweet. To our listener, too, when you go to wedontdieradio.com, you'll see the episode with the Death Chicks, um, Patty Burgess. His website is doingdeathdifferently.com, and Misty's is bittersweetblessing.com. And then feel free to visit them on YouTube for some great episodes of the Death Chicks. And my name is Sandra Champlain. I do 
believe that life is an education for the soul and that our lives here on earth really are important and sometimes you may be up in the arctic you may be in philadelphia you may be in japan you may be in australia who knows where you are you may not be um, have this conversation open with someone in your life but i invite you to keep listening to our shows listen to uh, or watch uh, the girls shows, the death chicks and some of my other guests when you keep feeding your mind with good information that's um, from like-minded individuals, we really are connected and we really don't die. So I wish everyone a great day and I want to thank you for listening and we'll see you soon.